IPS Essentials with Dr. Claire Rin. In this weekly podcast, Claire reveals how to support people with mental health problems into work using the individual placement and support model. Tune in for top tips, tools, and advice to keep your employment coaching skills up to date. The number one resource for IPS practitioners in the UK. to manage referrals, well, you're definitely not alone. I'm going to be sharing some top tips with you about this in today's podcast. So I think that managing referrals is one of the most difficult parts of the role of an employment specialist. And it's one of those things that I must admit, I didn't really give much thought to when I first became an employment specialist. I mean, people talk about other parts of the role, about meeting with clients and supporting them to find work and meeting with employers. But people don't really talk about, actually, as an employment specialist, you've got to manage your own caseload And that means managing referrals. I think sometimes I could do a whole training course in (laughs) managing referrals because I think it's really tricky. I think it's one of those really tricky parts of the job. So on one hand, um, if you get too few referrals, so you're not getting enough referrals to your service, that can be really stressful because you might be sitting there thinking, oh gosh, you know, why haven't I got enough clients? You know, maybe you've got a referral target to meet. Um, maybe your manager's saying to you, you need to see so many clients a year. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not getting enough referrals. And you're wondering how to demonstrate to your clinical team or whoever you're getting referrals from. You need to demonstrate to them what your service can do to try and get more referrals. You know, maybe you need to do more promotion with them, a bit more advertising, a bit more marketing. Um, That can be quite stressful. Um, You know, and if you don't get enough referrals, it really impacts on your confidence and your motivation. I think if you're not getting enough referrals through, your caseload's going to be quite low. And lots of employment specialists have said to me over the years that they like having a full caseload because you've got a variety of clients. When you've only got a handful of clients, um, that can be quite challenging. Could end up, you know, thinking, oh gosh, you know, what am I going to fill my time with? You haven't got enough clients. So not having enough clients, not having enough referrals can be really stressful. On the other hand, if you have too many referrals, that can be really stressful too. So, you know, say your service is really successful and people are referring their clients to you left, right and centre and you're just getting far too many referrals. Now, that's really stressful because then you're thinking, how on earth am I going to see all these clients? I don't have enough hours in the week. Um, I haven't got enough space on my caseload. What am I going to do? Am I going to have to 
start a waiting list. Um, and if you've listened to a previous podcast of mine, you'll know that I think waiting lists are not a good idea. Um, but you might be thinking, oh, you know, do I need a waiting list because I've got too many clients? Um, you might be thinking, well, maybe I need to be stricter with my criteria in, in the service. Or maybe you're just thinking, do you know what? I've just got to see all these clients. I'm going to have to work extra hours. Um, or I'm just going to have to do all my appointments back to back and then I won't have any time for my admin work. I mean, goodness, you know, it's it's really stressful if you get too many referrals. Um, and if you put a stop on referrals, if you say to your referrers, oh, I'm full, I'm not taking any more clients, then you might worry, are they going to be annoyed at me? Are they going to think my service is really rubbish? Are they going to find another service? So either way, whether you're getting too few referrals or too many referrals, it can be really stressful. And what people will say is, well, you've just got to find a balance. You've just got to get enough referrals to keep your service going. So you're getting a steady flow. Maybe that's, I don't know, like one referral a week or maybe two referrals a month or whatever it is, um, you know, depending on the size of your caseload and the size of your service and probably your client group as well. So you'll have a, a certain number, which will be your ideal number of, of referrals. So you want to, you know, try and get to that number so that you're getting this steady flow, but you need to keep that flowing steadily to make sure that you don't suddenly end up with too many or too few. It's really, really tricky. And I'm not going to pretend in this podcast that I've got all the answers to say, oh, right, yeah, just do this and the problem will be solved. Because I think it's one of these things that you have to keep working at. It's one of those things that I myself um, would need to remind myself of continually you know, in order to manage a client caseload. So what I'm going to do in today's podcast is I'm just going to give you some simple points to think about that will hopefully help you to manage your referrals a little bit better without stressing yourself out completely. So the first thing I'm going to suggest is to set really clear criteria for your service. Set some limits. Decide who your service is for and who it isn't for. And if it helps, actually write down a set of inclusion criteria and exclusion criteria. So you're really clear on who your service is for. And make sure that all of your referrers are aware of that criteria as well. Okay, so that they're they're only referring um, the right sorts of clients to you. They're not they're not sending inappropriate referrals your way. So be really clear. Now it's one thing saying be really clear, but you also need to really stick to that criteria. And this is where I think sometimes people get a bit stuck because I, you know, I've known lots of employment specialists over the years and 
many times they will say, well, you know, yeah, I know we've got that criteria in place, but I, I just want to make an exception for this client or, you know, this person um, has wants to refer their client to me and they've put forward a really good case and they don't quite fit within the criteria, but, you know, I think I might just offer them one session. Um, and, you know, lots of people behave in that way. It's a very human way to behave. <laughs> nothing wrong with it but I would say that if you do behave in that way and you don't stick to the criteria and the limits that you set firstly you're going to end up um, taking on too many clients uh, but also you're going to run the risk of people not following your rules that you've set. So if they think, oh, okay, you know, they moved the boundary there for that case, they'll try it again with another case. And therefore, you may as well just not have that strict criteria that you've set. So I know it's challenging, but if you set criteria, try to stick to it. Now, setting criteria in itself can be challenging we don't always know what the best criteria is. Sometimes we set criteria for referrals and we realise that the criteria is too strict. We realise that we're excluding people unnecessarily. So we might then change the criteria and say, well, actually, we were excluding, you know, this certain group of people, um, but now we've decided to open the doors to them. That's fine. If you make a decision to change your criteria, that's fine. And it works the other way as well. If you if your criteria is is, um, is not strict enough, then you can make it more strict. You can communicate with your referrers and say, well, actually, we've changed the criteria. We've made it stricter so that we can make sure that this service is is really targeting the people that really need it. And that's sometimes a tricky call to make. Because you could look at it and say, absolutely everybody needs your service. You could look, if you're you're working in a mental health team, you could look at every single client on that mental health team's caseload could benefit from employment support. You've got all those people who are not working, who would benefit from talking to an employment specialist about work. You've got the people who... um, are working and might be having difficulty at work. So, you know, that pretty much covers everybody. You've got people that really want to work and they're really keen to see an employment specialist. But then you've also got people who don't want to see an employment specialist. And you think, well, why? You're very capable of working. Why don't you want to come and see an employment specialist? So you think, well, there's something that I could do there to help them. And then there's all those clients that are just not sure. So you've got a whole range of clients there. And I bet that you are in a situation where there's only you, there's, you're the only employment specialist in a clinical team, or maybe you're the only um, employment specialist covering a part of that clinical team. And there's just not enough of you to go round. So you do have to make some tough decisions about who can be referred to you and who can't. Now, you can still be really open. So you can still say this service is for everyone, but they can only be referred to you when the timing is right. So one of the things, and I I think I've spoke about this in a previous podcast when I talked about waiting lists, is 
really avoid having a waiting list. And the way to avoid that is by talking to members of the mental health team to make sure that clients are referred to you when they really need your support. Because there might be other people that could support them rather than you at a certain time. So let's take, for example, a client who you know, is probably very capable of getting a job, but is not really sure if they want to work. Now, they could probably do with having a conversation with somebody about work to explore what's going on there. But does it have to be you, the employment specialist? I would argue that it doesn't have to be you. It could be their care coordinator or their therapist. They could have the conversation with the client about work. They could explore... um, you know the reason you know what's happening what's what why they're the pros and cons why why they're not sure about the situation and they can talk to them about the benefits of work they can talk to them about what your service can offer and then if the client then decides that they do want to talk to you and that it is something they do want to start looking for work then they can be referred to you But if they then decide that they don't or they need a bit more time to think about it, then the care coordinator or the therapist can just continue meeting with them um, and continue talking to them about this until the timing is right. So sometimes criteria is not necessarily about ticking boxes and saying this person has got this attribute or that attribute or or not. Um, It's about timing. It's like, is the timing right for this client? Do they need to be referred now or can they be referred in the future? So that's the first point. The second thing is about discharging clients. So we've talked in this podcast so far about referrals. So it's about clients moving on to your caseload but in order to do that you need to also be discharging your clients off your caseload um you know if you don't discharge clients at the same rate that you're um taking on new referrals then you're going to end up with a bottleneck situation so if you are taking on let's say two new referrals a month you need to be discharging two clients a month, okay? Now, you can actually draw this out on a, on a graph or something and you can see how if you don't do that, you'll just end up with a massive caseload, <laughs> which you won't have time for. You will not have the time to dedicate to all of those clients, um, you know, the time that's needed. And you won't, or you'll end up working extra hours, which nobody wants you to be doing at all. So you need to be thinking about discharging clients as well as taking clients onto your caseload. Now, I said that um, managing referrals is one of the most difficult things. And I think getting referrals is probably not as hard as discharging clients. I think discharging clients is something that people often have difficulty with because it's really hard to know when to let go of a client. It's really hard to know when the client's journey has ended. Um, 
I mean, I just over the years talking to lots of different employment specialists, this sort of thing comes up time and time again. And I've had team leaders say to me that this comes up in supervision repeatedly is when an employment specialist um, just can't let go of their clients. Um, And it's, you know, it's it's one of those things where there's always something that they feel that they can be helping their client with and I think we can all relate to this can't we so think about you know clients that have gone into work they might be settled in their job but they're never going to be 100% settled and happy there could always be something um that they still want advice about or some support with Maybe there's something they're still not confident about. So the employment specialist will go, oh, I still need to stick with them. I still need to keep them on my caseload because, you know, they might, that, that particular issue's not been dealt with and they might lose their job. They might, they might get stressed. They might fall out of work. Um, or you might have a client that hasn't gone into work and they've been on your caseload for ages and doing loads of job searching and really not getting anywhere. Um, And you're just going, well, I'll just keep them on for a few more sessions and we'll see how we go. And it's really hard to say, no, actually, no, now's enough. You've had enough sessions. Actually, maybe what you need right now is not employment support. Maybe it's another service. Maybe it's something else that needs exploring something, um, you know, perhaps needs exploring in therapy. And it's not anything that an employment specialist can support with. Um, so discharging clients is really difficult. Um, again, you can have criteria. So you can say a service might say that they discharge their clients after they've been in work for six months, for instance, or after so many sessions have not been attended. But in IPS, there is a recommendation that time is unlimited, um, that sessions that, that clients should have as many sessions as needed that you shouldn't have strict criteria um, when it comes to discharge so that makes it all the more tricky because you might not have that criteria in your service so I would say to support you with this um, one of the best things you can do is use supervision talk to your employment team leader if you have one-to-one supervision regularly then use that space to talk to them about the clients that um, you're having difficulty with the ones that you're you're not sure whether to discharge or not Um, or if you have group supervision with other employment specialists then talk to them about it as well because they might have some interesting perspectives to share they might help you think that through so I think it's fine to admit to yourself that this is tricky. And if you are finding it hard, then you're not alone. Um, But get help with it. Because sometimes just talking to somebody else about your caseload, your clients, can help you to make tough decisions that you might be unable to make on your own. My final piece of advice is basically to have some sort of a system for managing your caseload. 
So whether that is some sort of software that you use or whether you've got like an Excel spreadsheet or um, just a piece of paper stuck to your wall um, with your caseload on it, you need to have some way of looking at your caseload. So I would recommend that it's something that's visual, that works for you. Now, we all... um, find different things helpful. So I'm not going to say to you, oh, there's this amazing spreadsheet that does everything for you because I don't think spreadsheets work for everybody. Um, But spreadsheets are just an example of how you could potentially display the information if that did work for you. So you could have a list of your clients and in, in a spreadsheet, you can have rows and columns. So it's a sort of a table. And it gives you the option then to categorise your clients. And this is something that whatever tool you use for looking at your caseload, it's really useful to categorise clients and look at this regularly. And I, when I had a client caseload myself, I used to set aside the same time every week. It was, it was protected time to literally just sit there and look at my caseload. So let's say Friday mornings, you decide between 9 and 10 every Friday morning, it might be a time when it's particularly quiet, there's no other meetings. Use that time as your caseload management time and sit there, look at your caseload and ask yourself, are you managing this caseload? Are you managing the referrals in a way that's helpful? So first of all, you know, you're probably, when I talk about categories, you can categorise things however you wish, but you've probably got um, a category where you've got clients who are, who've just been referred to you, perhaps you haven't contacted them yet, they might have just been referred to you from a clinician and you need to follow up. You might have another category, which is clients where you've contacted them, but you haven't yet met them. Then you might have another category where you've met clients and you've perhaps done an initial meeting with them. You started um, a career profile with them. Um, You might then have another category of clients who you've had um, a few sessions with maybe. Maybe they've started job searching. Maybe they've started speaking to employers. Um, You might have a category of how far along in the job searching process they are maybe not that might be getting a bit too technical um but you probably also have a category of whether people are in work or not in work um and probably how much support so you know one of the one of the useful things you can do is um categorize clients as to whether they're active or inactive so active clients are clients that you're seeing regularly Um, but there could be some clients who are still on your caseload uh, because they do still need support, but you might not be seeing them regularly. Those are your clients who are probably more likely to be in work and they've been in work for quite a few months and things are starting to settle and they've, you know, they've got support from other people and therefore you might just be checking in with them once a month or something. So I've just reeled off a load of different categories there, but those, you know, you, um, I think the key thing is to categorise your caseload in a way that works for you so that you can look at your caseload as a whole 
and put your clients into different boxes, if you like, different columns, different rows. Um, you know, if you were to draw it out on a piece of paper, maybe you put them in different bubbles or something, I don't know, buckets, different things, different ways of separating those clients. And what you need to do is have a look at that caseload and check that you that people are moving, that your clients are moving through this system and there's no bottlenecks. So if you've got loads of clients on that list at the very start where they're all waiting to be contacted, uh, you've, you say you've, you've been on holiday maybe and you've just come back and you've received 12 referrals, you've got 12 clients to contact, then you need to be thinking, okay, well, I'm going to contact those clients. I'm going to need to then book them all in. And then they're very quickly going to start job searching. I'm going to be having regular appointments with them. Um, maybe not all, maybe let's say 80% of them, because maybe a couple of those clients will drop out or they'll decide that it's not for them or something. But, you know, you'll have a rough idea. The majority majority of them will come onto your caseload. So do you have space on your caseload? So then you need to look at the clients in those other categories as clients who are active and they're, you know, they're either in work or they're, or they're looking for work, and, but they're they're taking up your time. And think about, okay, do any of those need to be discharged? Because you then, not only do you need to be contacting those clients that are coming onto your caseload, but you also need to be contacting those clients who are coming up for discharge and talking to them about that, planning their discharge, because you don't want to just ring them and say, all right, that's it, we've got <laughs> no more sessions. You know, you need to be saying to them, okay, yeah, we're coming towards the end now, perhaps one more session, but let's think about, um, you know, whether you're going to hand them over to somebody else, whether you're going to discharge them, but there's an option to come back again if needed, um, are you going to write up some discharge plan with some notes for them to take away? You know, so there's a bit of planning involved in discharging a client. So this is where having a system where you can look at your whole caseload in one go can be really useful because you can see where there might be some problems. And I would say always plan in advance. Don't just look at what's happening this week. You should always be looking um, as a sort of golden rule, try to look four weeks ahead. I think things, if you look too far ahead, if you say to yourself, right, I'm going to plan for the next three months, then anything can happen in three months. Um, I think that's too much planning. You'll spend all, loads of time planning. And then by the time you're done, you plan, something's changed. So I think, you know, you don't need to plan that far ahead. But plan for the next month, look at the next four weeks so are there any, I mean, look at your own diary. Are you going to be off? Have you got any training coming up? Have you got any annual leave? Um, is there anything happening where that might impact on the number of referrals that you might need to take, be able to take on or the number of clients that you can see? You know, look, it's like scanning the horizon, having a look to see what's going on in the next four weeks. Um, and then just adjust accordingly if you know you're going to be away in a few weeks, then perhaps don't take on any more referrals for a couple of weeks. You know, have a chat with your referrers and, and warn them that you're going to be on leave. And actually referring now is probably not the best time and they need to perhaps wait until you get back. Um, so forward planning is really useful. Um, and I think 
this to be honest it's kind of it's standard time management I think it's good practice to always be doing this and don't just do it for the next four weeks and then forget about it every week look at the next four weeks so if you were looking at it today you'd be looking at the the four weeks ahead of you and then in a week's time look at the next four weeks and then the week after that look at the next four weeks so you're always looking four weeks ahead and that should hopefully help you feel a little bit more on top of your workload but most importantly it will help you with those the kind of two ends of your caseload, the kind of the clients coming onto your caseload and the clients that are being discharged from your caseload. You'll be able to manage that more effectively and make sure that you've got a throughput of clients through your caseload all the time um, to avoid any bottleneck situations that you might have. So there we go. There's just three tips there from me today about managing your referrals. As I said, I don't have all the answers. I wish I did. I wish I could say there was some really easy trick for uh, managing your referrals. I think there's lots of different things you could be doing to manage referrals on your caseload. And hopefully there's something you've picked out from today's podcast that might be useful to you. Um, But have a think. There could be other things that you're aware of. And, you know, maybe if you're struggling with uh, managing your referrals, then talk to your um, colleagues, you know, ask them how they manage their referrals. Um, Ask your supervisor about this as well. And I think remember that this is something that lots of people find challenging um you know don't be ashamed to ask for help with it um i definitely have received lots of help with managing referrals over the years and i don't have a client caseload at the moment but i'm pretty sure if i did um i would be asking for support from my supervisor um because as i said I, i don't think it's an easy thing to do on your own so good luck i hope that's helped a little Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week for more IPS Essentials. Tune in next week for more IPS Essentials or find out more at careerology.org.